0: welcome everyone to another episode of the heat vs. the world podcast as always i'm your host joel jacob you can follow me on twitter at joel k underscore and with me as always is our guest so to start off we got miami clutch pe say what's up to the people clutch hey what's up everybody miami clutch pe on twitter and then following him, we have Brian Young. Say what's up to the people, Brian. What's up?
1: I never promote myself, so y'all follow me at Brian is the king on Twitter or Brian Y97 if you want to read my horror stories online.
0: And then also following him, we have a very special guest. He's the sports anchor and reporter at WPLG Local 10. He runs the Miami Sports Pod with colleague Will Manso. Say what's up to the people, Clay, Clay Ferrero.
2: What's going on, guys? You know, I, I just went to look up Brian is the king on Twitter, and the first thing that popped up is Brian is the worst.
1: Brian is
2: the worst. That's not foreshadowing of what's to come today. How you guys doing?
1: We're all doing good.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. So, anyway, guys, so for today's pod. You know, we're going to talk about these last two games for the Heat. It's been really a a rough week for Miami, but we're going to focus on these two games to make it less depressing. Um, So let's first talk about this Nuggets game before we head into last night. Um, How do we feel about that? We'll start off with
3: you, Clutch. Okay, well, the Nuggets game from the start, you knew, like, things went bad really quick. Like I I had such a bad feeling about it because of course we still don't have Jimmy. We still keep having players coming in and out of the rotation. And then we're going face to face with somebody who to me is pro should be an MVP candidate because of the numbers he's putting up in Jokic. Yeah. And what 21 and 11 that night, not even, not even his best day and they smoked us. So And what else? The same thing I've been talking over and over about KZ Akpala. He's good on defense. He shows up. He has a very high ceiling offense, I mean, defensively. But he's just not there on offense. He scored one point and didn't really play any impactful minutes on the offensive side of the floor. Duncan still going through his struggles. It may or may not have something to do with a bad luck starting a new pod. Ever since then, he's been in a shooting slump, and Bam has taken seemed to taken a little bit of a step back since since coming home.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: What about you, Ryan? How do you feel? Um, you know, I I mentioned this on uh, the Five Reasons Pod yesterday, but. I, I honestly don't feel too bad about it. Any of these losses, really. It's kind of like, I compared it the other day. I used the analogy of, like, you're going into a boxing match, but you can't throw a jab and you can't throw counters. It's like, what do you really expect to happen? You know, we're going up against a really, really good team in the Nuggets, um, you know, without our best players outside of BAM. So, it's you know, for for as much as, you know, we want these wins, like, I just didn't think that it was entirely realistic. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. It's 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 Bam and essentially G the guys versus a damn good team. So, eh, it is what it is.
0: And Clay, how do you feel?
2: You know, the the Nuggets loss didn't bother me that much for for all the reasons that you guys said. I mean, it's just uh, the talent level just isn't close right now. So, you know, I think you can kind of. Erase that one, and and how long do you expect Bam to carry this team? And I I said this on a couple of radio shows here that in that series, that back to back, if you want to call it a series in Brooklyn, Bam was the best player on a floor that had James Harden, Tyree Irving, and Kevin Durant. And and so I, I I'm not as concerned about that loss. I'm not as concerned about you know what Bam's performance may have looked like in in that game. I I did. I did start to get a little weary of what we saw in the game against the Clippers only because that was the game where you're looking at it like, okay, the Heat have been able to make, and I know they hate the word excuses, but you can make valid excuses as reasons for why you lose to more talented teams like Brooklyn and Denver when they're healthy. Losing to a Clippers team that was missing two of the best players in the NBA and arguably their three best players, if you include Patrick Beverly in that group, certainly one of their more important players. That was the one to me that was kind of like, okay, you don't have that excuse tonight. You don't have that excuse of we're missing all of our guys, our our talent level isn't quite up to, to the to the opponent that we're playing tonight. So that was the one that kind of jumped out to me. And the other thing that was weird to me, guys, was you know, usually we hear Eric Sfolster, he's the king of no excuses, we have enough, et cetera, et cetera. And then after the game on Thursday night, it wasn't just Spo, but it was some of the players kind of alluding to, hey, we're going to get our guys back, we're down bodies, we're we're not we." It just seemed like there was a bit of a shift. And it was just kind of odd to me that a team that is so used to saying things like no excuses, we have enough, was now kind of saying, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll be fine once we get everybody back. So that was the one to me where it seemed like it was a bit of a tipping point.
1: Hmm. No, I I, I, I agree mean, with that. I mean, uh, last night's loss was it was difficult. I mean, again for me, it's still similar where I think that you know outside of Bam, you're playing with comparable talent to the Clippers, um, or outside of Bam and Hero, I should say. Um, Robertson slump definitely doesn't help, but you know I think that's more of an abnormality. Uh. You know, I guess. I guess personally, I'm just trying to withhold judgment until we see this team healthy, um, and and then we go from there.
2: Yeah, not to interrupt you. I, I agree with you completely. I, I I don't think this is a matter of of judging this team or where they are or who they are or anything like that. It, it was more from the perspective of in, in a one game scenario. The only two games this year, the only two losses that you kind of look at and scratch your head a little bit were were that one and then the detroit loss where they just got blown out Mm. and and again you're facing a team that you know was was less talented but that happens in the nba i'm I'm with you i'm not i'm not passing any sorts of judgment at all on this team it just it was just odd to me for a team that's so used to not making excuses that and you know what The, the fact that everybody was saying it it almost felt like this was this was a time where they kind of had a a moment of honesty where they said, you know, we're we're not who we're going to be right now. Let's just get through it and then see where we're at on the other side of this thing.
1: Totally agree.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, yeah, because what we saw last night, I mean, to me, it was definitely inexcusable. It looked like we had it in the first quarter. I remember there was a few times where I got excited in Max Drew's, And then Gabe Vincent as well. I felt like this dude finally came alive again. You know, what happened, I don't know how to explain because then everything just fell apart, especially in that third quarter. And, you know, to to provide hope, you know, and I know, you know, this is something we all feel is that, you know, we don't have a healthy team. That Wizards game a few weeks ago screwed us over. You know, we just got to hope that eventually, you know, Jimmy comes back, um, who else? Gorin and everyone, because at the end of the day, we did miss out seven players, not trying to throw excuses because we definitely still should have won the game, you know, but hopefully by the time we get all our players back, you know, I really do hope we can maybe get on a winning streak eventually, especially to get us over 500
3: very soon. Right. I I agree with that, but at the same time, Uh, This game against the Clippers was probably one of the more winnable games that we've had this season uh, that we lost, uh, aside from the the Pistons game. I I can't help but to be a little bothered by Bam's performance last night. I wasn't too bothered by the Nuggets because he just finished carrying the team against uh, the the Nets' big three. But – Against the Clippers, I had a little bit of issue, not because he was off, because his jump shot was not going yesterday, but his shot attempts were just so low going into the fourth quarter. I, I remember tweeting about why does Gabe Vincent have more shot attempts than Bam Adebayo when we need in a game that we really need Bam to step up, especially when and we just had the the mother of all third quarters, and <laughs> it was. Awful. Um, Again, Kelly, I'm trying to look at these stats over here. Kelly started off the game, what, two threes in a row, and then after that, he just kind of disappeared. We can't really rely on Max Struess and Gabe Vincent having the biggest quarter of their lives to give us an early lead (laughs) and then just completely disappear. Kendrick Nunn, I I don't want to say he took a step back ever since his nice little run but he's had a he's had a, more, a less impactful kind of results from than he's had in previous games so the only positive i will take out of that game is tyler hero he looked really good in the fourth quarter he during the during the course of the game it looked like he was trying to like feel his way through not trying to force much but then in the fourth quarter when he needed the buckets he got them for you it just wasn't enough and it was way too late
1: you know, to to add on to that, I, I do think that the that the Bam aggressiveness is is a bit confusing. Um, You know, there's a lot of moments in the game where, you know, he was given a lot of space to shoot the jumper, and instead he, you know, would kind of look around and try to get other guys involved, and, and I think that it's great that Bam is more of a pass-first guy, and he wants to see everybody else, you know, get their shots and get them into rhythm before looking for his own, but... You know, if you have 10 feet of space, you're a good enough shooter to take that shot. It's better offense to take an open shot than, you know, to try and get, you know, to try and run a dribble handoff. And, you know, maybe Gabe Vinson or Max Roos or Duncan Robinson when he's off is shooting a contested jumper against, you know, pretty good defense. Um, so I think that is a little bit – I don't want to say concerning, but especially after Bam had said he was going to be a more aggressive – um, you know, to kind of revert back to thinking he's a system player instead of trying to break the system and, you know, go for 30 on nights when you, your only other real offensive option is Tyler Hero.
0: hmm I mean, uh, you know, I, I really hope tonight's, uh, yesterday's loss will be a bit of a what's it called, turning point for the Heat, but it's hard to tell, especially when you're in a garbage season like this when you know when you don't know what's gonna happen next. Because I feel like it's always a question mark regarding each player heading into each game. Because did anyone even know about Duncan Robinson's injury that had him as probable before the game started? Yeah, I had no, no idea.
1: No, it was a surprise.
0: Because, yeah, because when I saw that, I was immediately shocked. And same thing with the Igudala news as well. So when you move forward, it's like, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, like I said, I hope this team can be healthy very soon. And, you know, we'll just see what happens there. But while we're still talking about the Heat, I want to move forward with all-star voting because aside from BAM, I want to ask you guys, who else do you think should be an all-star this year? And it doesn't have to be from the Heat, of course. But is there any other names that come up in mind?
1: Uh, the obvious guys for me, you know, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, uh, probably Kyrie Irving. I, I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's a litany of names. Maybe Jalen Brown even. I think not even maybe. Definitely Jalen Brown should be an all-star. Jason Tatum. Um, there's a lot of guys you could name, at least from the East.
4: Hmm. Like? Bradley, Bradley Beal.
1: Beal, definitely. He deserves it.
2: It. <laughs> may, may as well start. Uh, we may as well start that transition. But yeah, I I, I still think it's baffling that he still hadn't made an All NBA team and and looking for his first All Star appearance. I mean, that's he he's a guy that is perpetually uh, underappreciated, and and I I don't know, man. Maybe the guy just needs a better situation where where he'll be appreciated. Honestly,
0: uh, go ahead. I mean. Well, quick, th- quick thing. Like, I want to say, you know, if he doesn't make the All Star team this year, I'm going to be really happy about that because I <laughs> want him to get more angry. Like, not, yeah. not out of
3: hate. Just get him more just angry. Just make, make know, him, him feel more disrespected. Out.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. Right. I'm, right. Selfish.
2: Right. right. I think we're getting there, guys. I, I really do. I, I just think we're kind of at the point where. I mean, how many times do you have to be overlooked? How many times? Do you, I, I thought with that situation, again, not to take this in a direction that you weren't ready to go in, but I just thought that loss in Houston for him was was so telling, the, the, the look on his face on the sideline, where I mean, he looked like he was practically in tears, and you know, the, the fact that you're looking across, and you see the guy that, somebody who's your friend, one of your good friends, that your front office just traded away along with a pick just to get off of his contract. And he is beating you and your new supposed uh, teammate. Who's going to take you to the next level in Russell Westbrook. I, I just thought that that was, the, we're going to look back at that as the turning point of when Bradley deal finally said, no more, Mr. Nice guy. I'm tired of sitting around here and, and waiting for you guys to prove to me that you can build a winner around me. I'm going to go seek it elsewhere.
1: No, I, I agree. Selfishly. Mm-hmm. I like, Beal should be an MVP candidate. I mean, the number that he's putting up—if he was on a winning team—we'd be talking about him as you know, candy-winning MVP. You would like all NBA wouldn't even be a yep. question. And it's kind of like—I mean—as a you know—a third party that Beal doesn't even know exists, and probably never will know exists. Like for his legacy, he should—he should be stacking up you know, All Stars and All NBAs and maybe MVPs and you know, having amazing performances in the playoffs and. You know, when we look back, we're going to, you know, I think Beal is going to want to be remembered as that guy because he's absolutely that type of a talent. And instead, you know, he's just a guy who's kind of wasting away in in Washington and, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to be talking about him as, oh, yeah, this is the guy who averages most points but didn't make an all-star team. We're like, hey, remember Bradley Beal? He exists in the NBA. He was really good, but nobody, you know, but he wasn't remembered long-term because he never won anything. Um, so just selfishly, you know, he should absolutely be looking to move out just for his own legacy, because again, he's just way too talented to not be, to not go down as one of the greatest players to play.
3: Right. When you, when you look back at Bradley Beal, I'm pretty sure him as a player, he doesn't want to be remembered as, okay, he scored a lot of points, but that's probably because he was on a bad team. He doesn't want to be remembered like that. I always said that I think Bradley Beal on a winning team on, on the right team would be a, a MVP candidate because no, hold on. Let me start saying by saying this, James Harden is a better player than Bradley Beal, but I don't think the gap between them is as big as some people think because Bradley Beal and Bradley Beal is only 27 years old. He's not another 30 something in the very, very peak of his prime. I think he can still maybe go another level with the right team. So,
2: I agree. He's 27. I, I mean, he. This is a guy, I, and I said this. I, I just think, and I look. I, I ever since, and I told this story before, but I was at a Heat game a couple of years ago. And that was before all this stuff started popping, where you know we found out that, that the Heat were interested in BL. I remember sitting there, and there's this table down. If you've been to a Heat game, you'll see it. It's underneath the basket, where you see. Uh, the Heat front office guys will often sit. And there's there's a table and, a, and some chairs and and some monitors. And I remember looking down and seeing Pat Riley watching a Wizards game. And I just kind of thought that away. I was like, oh, that's interesting. The Heat are going on or playing right in front of him. But for some reason, he's watching a Wizards game. Then a few weeks later, you have the report come out that they really want Bradley Beal. And then this has kind of been this, this dance for the last two years where I, I felt like Giannis was the one A, but I think if he was one A, I think Bradley Beal and Pat Riley's eyes has been one B or maybe even one double A. I don't I don't feel like he's been as far down the whale list as as I think some people believe he may have been. And I, I think he may have been very close to the the first option for them, and and so I I feel like a. A killer B's big three of Beal, Butler, and Bam would be the best big three in the NBA. And and I know that sounds crazy. I'm not saying it's the most talented, because I agree with you. I don't think that talent for talent, Beal is quite where James Harden is right now. But I think he will be. And I think that when you're talking about a big three that would fit together, and you have two guys and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo who are outstanding defenders, Bam who can be all over the floor and guard anybody. Jimmy Butler, who's as good as anybody when it comes to anticipation and, and getting his arms in passing lanes. And then Beal, who is arguably a top two or three scorer in the league and, and really doesn't play defense all that well. So it's like you just you have this fit there where when you look at up at Brooklyn and you see three guys who can score the lights out but maybe aren't the best defenders in the world, I just – I feel like the fit with those three and and I'm with you. I think at some point, Bill's going to look at this and say, okay, well I scored all these points, but for what? And, and then you can look down in Miami and see, all right, beautiful weather, great organization. And two guys who really want me there, who I can fit in perfectly with and just be me, just do what I do best. And they do the other stuff. and, Um, So there's my rant. There's my Bradley Beal rant. There's why I think uh, they need to start looking at that as as soon as... And I know they have been, but the sooner the better for the Heat to find a way to make this happen.
0: And I mean, to add on to what you said, Clay, like, and I know someone brought this up earlier today. Was, I, I wouldn't call it a report, but because some people refer to it as common knowledge, is if, if Bill was to request a trade and, you know, Miami is the team he wants to go to, you know, I don't think people understand really how likely then it will most likely be that he comes here because this is sort of the situation we saw with Paul George where he went... And he renewed his contract with OKC. And if the time came when he requested a trade, they would honor that um, request by sending him wherever he wants to go to. And I see that similar to this scenario where he signed the extension, much to everyone's shock. But now when the time comes when he actually says to Washington, look, I'm done with this. I want out. You know, I feel like now they are in that similar situation where they have to honor Beale's request and send him to where he wants to go. Now,
3: I mean, I don't know how you guys right. feel the about it. Right, the report that or the story that came out is that right that Washington would most likely try to accommodate Bill as much as possible, which they should because with the loyalty mm-hmm. that Beale has showed to the team, and I've got to tell you, Bradley Beale might be the most loyal person in this entire universe. Either that or they have or like I've joked about they probably have something on him in terms of blackmail for him (laughs) to just not want to leave but or not request a trade. But I think Bradley Beal has showed immense loyalty to the Wizards. And it's only fair that they show him that loyalty back and accommodates him when he no longer wants to be there. I mean, they
0: can't say he hasn't been loyal because it's like you, it's not been a playoff scenario for him. Where it's not like where James Harden was in Houston and they were making the playoffs every year. Like they've been a lottery team every season so far. You know, I don't think when was the last time they even made the playoffs? Twenty seventeen, I believe. So when you look at that, I mean, there's only so much you can pin against Bradley Beal. So you look at this as a scenario where. You know, you just got to simply do what's right for him and not from a scenario that some fans want to look at it as where they think like, oh, he gave up on the team. He gave up on the city, which is simply not true. The team gave up on him.
1: No, I I agree. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think the only question is, would the Wizards trade Beal um, in the same conference? And we kind of talked about this on the last pod um you know now that i think about it, I think anthony davis is the only star in a recent memory that got traded within conference but that was for a huge haul so i guess the question is would the heats package be you know anthony davis like enough to for the wizards to be cool sending him to a team they're going to see four times a year and it's not just you know again i don't know that the wizards are considering all this i'm sure that they are you know got to give these people credit because they're Professional NBA people, um, a professional NBA, a front office, but you know how how are fans going to how are Wizards fans eventually going to feel about seeing Bradley Beal four times a year? You know if the Wizards also have any plans to compete in the next five five ten years, you know do they want to face the the three headed monster Bam Jimmy and Beal? And I think that those are legit questions that they're probably going to have to ask themselves. You know over the next year or two when they're considering trading. Uh, trading Beal to Miami.
2: Yeah, and that's a great point, and and to me, and- that's that's the big question that would potentially keep him from coming here. Because I look, I I understand that we've heard various reports about who is and who wouldn't be on the table in a potential trade from the Heat side for anybody. I I just think things change if it gets to a point where Bradley Beal becomes legitimately available. So-
0: All right, everyone. So sorry about that brief disruption. Uh there was an amber alert which basically took everyone out but now we're back. So where where do we leave off guys?
2: Uh when we were talking about how many rings Bradley Beal was going to going to win with the heat.
3: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's, right. That's, right. Yep.
2: That's right. Not 2, not 3, not 4. Um no, I I think look the the fit here would be incredible. And and so what we really left off was talking about what the Heat would potentially have to give up and, and whether or not the Wizards would be willing to trade within the conference. And and know what you brought up that was a great point was the fear that potentially they would face them down the line. I think the one thing that plays in the Heat's favor, in addition to what you what you mentioned in the report today about them wanting to do right by him and essentially promising that they wouldn't trade him anywhere he didn't want to be, is – He's got that player option next offseason, not this coming offseason, but the following offseason. And so he could potentially say, "to because here are the two teams that would concern me if I were the Heat, Oklahoma City and Denver, and then potentially New Orleans because of all the assets that they have. When you're talking about Western Conference teams that have more assets and the ability to be a little bit more appealing to the Wizards when it comes to any sort of an offer, and you know, I, Denver obviously is the team that's that's the closest among them to being a contender, um, and so it would it would really come down to how badly would Beal want to be in Miami over Denver, and and Beal and his family, and and you know at, at some point he would probably have to politely say, "Hey, Denver, you're you're a great great city, and and you seem like a great franchise. Um, don't bother. I, I would prefer to be in Miami." and the the leverage that he has would be to say I'm going to opt out after next season, so don't bother giving up Porter. Don't bother giving up your assets. Don't don't even don't even bother with it. Um, so, I, I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to with this thing, guys. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I keep I keep thinking about uh, OKC as well. I I mean, would they would they give up all their assets for Beal? Um, it's a legitimate question, and well, I mean, well, I mean,
0: sorry to disrupt you on that. Like, I saw a tweet about it where if it's like if you're a Beal, I mean, you want to go to like most likely a championship contender. So that's so. so If he goes to OKC, I mean, that would be a nice team. You know, you have him, Shea, and Lou Dort and everyone. But that's not really a team that you're gonna say like, oh, can they beat the Lakers or someone like them? So I don't know if he would consider the idea of going to Washington and being like, you know, okay, I would like to go to OKC.
1: No, that's fair. Uh, Denver, though, I mean, Beal on Denver is is a damn good team. They can definitely compete. So yeah, that's a that's Mm -hmm. a real option, and you know, it it solves the issue of you know the Wizards saying, hey, we don't have to see that guy four times a year. So that might be a good fit, Right? right?
2: Yep. That's the one that would concern me the most if I'm the Heat. And, you know, I the, the question I would have then is what, what would Washington value? And and obviously the Nuggets can provide more quote-unquote assets. And yet, um, you know, given what, what Tyler Hero showed in the bubble, and this is not saying whether or not you would want him to be included in a deal, but if you are looking at things that would entice Washington uh, – I would say Hero has, has a little more star power right now than Porter does, and, and Porter has immense upside, um, no doubt about that. But just based on what we've seen from Hero and kind of the national name, and if, if Washington is looking to get someone that is marketable uh, immediately to, to kind of cool the tension among fans for seeing their, their franchise guy go out the door, I mean, that's what they're going to have to weigh, is do we get somebody who could be an immediate face of the franchise and, uh, you know, maybe not quite the same level of assets elsewhere. Uh, or do we want to get the the assets and somebody who's also extremely talented in Porter? And that's, again, these are all things that I'm sure we'll talk about a lot coming up down the pipe. But um, very simply, I, I think those are the sorts of conversations that are probably already going on internally in Washington. They have to
4: be. Absolutely. Yeah, now, I, if I could hop in, I, I also say that, you know, Having a, a hero and precious, those are definitely two players that I think would have to headline the trade for Washington. Um, yep. And something that was mentioned, you know, I can't really see him looking at a team like Oklahoma City, who's at bottom in the league right now. Like, that could never be a potential option, in my opinion, because he's obviously looking to set himself up for a championship in the prime of his career. You know, Miami... One of the things that we, you know, I guess we've forgotten a little bit about this year, including myself, because of the, the way we started the year is, you know, Miami did such a good job last year with, you know, basically rushing through and, you know, you know, 5-0 and on the Bucks, you know, 5, I mean, 4-1 on the Bucks. you know, we beat the, the Celtics. I think Beal probably saw that and said, man, that could be that one piece that's missing on that team. And we probably could have beaten the Lakers. And obviously Miami has proven, you know, going to the finals in the last uh, 15 years, we've gone to the finals six times. We've won three titles. Those are those things that I'm sure he's going to be weighing. And he does have all the leverage, I guess, because if anybody were to trade for him, it might be a Kawhi situation where you only get him for one year and then he opts out. So a lot of that stuff has to here whenever it comes to a trade
0: hmm
2: yeah and that, what, what did we hear from from Dwayne Wade after he left here and and then he reiterated when he came back it was hey relationships matter people and and he's right and and what I find really interesting is you know the Dan, Dan ain't slick. Like he know he knows what he's doing. Like with with wearing the Bradley Beal jersey and adding him on Twitter and you know, damn And this is a, I thought damn is one of my favorite people that I've ever been around. I mean, he's just uh, we were fortunate enough he came and hang out hang out at the station a couple of years ago, and he just couldn't have been cooler, couldn't have been nicer. Just loved like he loved getting his hands on like all the equipment and and figuring out what everything did and just. Like it, just such a great human being, and and he's somebody who clearly has been targeting Bradley Beal for a couple of years now. You don't you don't wear someone's jersey in the locker room after you played them without having an agenda, and 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 adding him on Twitter when and I forget what the tweet was, but it was something about like, oh, hey, hey, uh, be, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, he knows what he's doing. You know, but, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I remember, and I thought he quickly took it down, which I found interesting. But remember when Jimmy Butler sent all of those basketball goals to Heat players uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, and then I, I'm almost positive he sent one to Bradley Beal, and Beal put yeah. it up like with a thank you, Jimmy, and then you like I think he immediately took it down because so he was like, oh, this this may not be the greatest look, but all that to say, like this is something that that the Heat have been working on. We're going on over two years now. You know, this is this is not something new. And so I feel like, you know, if if Beal wants out and if the Wizards really did tell him, look, if you resign here and give us a chance to make right here, but we'll send you somewhere you want to be, I, I just think that, that ultimately, if there's some sort of a tiebreaker, Beal's going to come out and say, look, these guys have already been working on a relationship with me. Plus... Miami is Miami, and it would just seem like it would be uh, something that would push him over the top.
3: It, it kind—it kind of feels like destiny waiting to happen. Yes, it's—it's it's come to that point. And um, in terms of what goes, I don't think I think Beal is that type of player for Pat Riley in terms of fit because he fits so perfectly with Bam and Jimmy that every single chip will be on the table if if needed. Yeah. yeah. And that, that includes my favorite player on the Heat, Duncan Robinson. Yep. That, I, I think agree. that includes, and, and I don't think necessarily Duncan Robinson ends up in Washington. He gets rerouted for a couple, for a few picks, and boom, yeah, you get it done because Duncan Robinson might be the most sought after player for a cha- for a team trying to win a championship. That complementary, that elite complimentary piece. So, I think that. Might be the, the the thing that gets it done. Maybe Duncan Robinson, not the player, but his value to another team could get it done. I think Tyler Hero definitely goes. I think Precious might, not might, definitely goes. It's basically an all, all hands on deck, all chips down onto the table, get it done no matter what happens. Because I but think it's going to hurt. Like that, right?
2: It's gonna hurt. Get ready for it to hurt. You know, the, the Heat fans, <laughs> Heat fans that were fans 17 years ago that that fell in love with, with uh, you know Lamar Odom and 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 Karan Butler, they <laughs> yep. they know how it hurts. So that that's how Pat Pat Riley operates. Go ahead.
4: And I think also the important thing here is, I mean, if he's gonna request his trade, it's gotta happen soon. If we're if we have any chance for the deadline, because. You know, these these sort of, you know, elite players, any one of these trades, they typically take about a month, month and a half because, uh, you know, the front office has to field offers and they got to, like, go through exactly what it is they're looking for and then get people's packages. So I think timing here is really important right. uh, as far as if the opportunity exists. And the other thing goes as far as using Duncan Robinson as a trade chip you pretty much have, you know, a month and a half left to do that because after that, you know, next year, potentially you have to re-sign him to that big contract if you're planning on keeping him long-term. We have two great points. I saw on the schedule, we have
3: back-to-back games against the Wizards very soon, so maybe we just have to beat them into submission and get Bradley over here. Beat, Beat Bradley
4: so bad that he needs to get out of there. We anybody. need to beat anybody so bad right now.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> a great point. the Wizards. are playing, They may be the perfect candidate for that, too.
4: <laughs> yeah, like right, <laughs> right now, I mean, I wouldn't say that because uh, who is it? Garrison Matthews plays like Prime MJ against us, you know? I don't yeah, know why.
3: That's uh, right. Garrison that's Matthew, right. My personal, my personal boogeyman. Yeah, could, yeah. could, you,
4: could you stop saying every game like who is Reggie Perry that's okay
3: okay I I gotta like put some context in here because during the first quarter of every game I find the most like the most the player nobody knows and I write on Twitter what the F is a and I put the player's name now 75% of the time that player somehow ends up beating us so will I stop Probably not, but it's, a, it's well. A, it's I
4: mean, like, well, how did Nicholas Batum go back to like Portland Trailblazer Batum yesterday? You know
1: what? I'm gonna like what the- I'm gonna defend Batum. He's a good player. He's been a good player. Just he his contract was was a little large, but he's yeah. all, he's always been very talented. Um, he's he's the perfect point forward in today's league. Like, um, like I, I've been saying, Nicholas, Nicholas Batum on a good team is a super valuable guy. But you know, when you play in Charlotte, it's yeah, careers go to
0: die. And he was, and he was a killer in that Heat Hornets series back in 2016, wasn't he?
1: Uh, Al Jefferson was a killer, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, him not, and I know Courtney the, Lee too. I was looking at Batum in the off season like a potential four for us, and
1: he'd be a good know, fit. We never took a look at that. He he would probably he be, definitely. you know. Probably our uh, second best wing, right? I mean, I guess, I guess, well, behind Tyler and, and Duncan, but you know, for the at least for the four, you probably start for us.
4: Yeah, the Mo Harkness has failed terribly. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I want to do a quick campaign for someone. So I just saw this on Instagram. So. One key player sent out his ballots for um, all-star voting. So for the West, he has AD, LeBron, Paul George, Luka Doncic, and Seth Curry. And then for the Eastern Conference, you know, I don't think you guys will know who this person is, but still, let me say it. He voted for Beal Brown, Durant Tatum, and the last person is none other than Chris Silva. Uh, Like I said... (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i I don't want to reveal who this person is who gave his votes it's anonymous but yeah that's who he voted for (laughs) so i'm gonna honor this heat this heat player's demands and say that we get chris silva into the all-star game
3: come on let's do it well
4: draymond green got an all-star selection
3: kyle (laughs) korver got an all-star selection he was very good that uh, year, but still,
0: hey, let's well, get Chris Silva All Star
3: game. <laughs> I I know we yeah. were talking about uh in like a few topics ago, and I didn't really get to finish on it about who would be probably my All Star for the East. And the way he's been playing, man, I'm—he better be all star again this year. Maybe not a starter, but Demontis Savonis.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah,
3: dude, he's yeah. a yeah. fantastic player. He, yeah, yeah. and he—he he just had a triple double, didn't he? Like, dude, dude has been playing on another planet. I think maybe, probably since after after Ol- Oladipo left. So this—that man deserves every. Every that he deserves an All Star selection. Um, that yeah, that's my campaign for for Sabonis. I'm just a really big fan of him.
4: Mhm. And Zach Levine as well. I'm a big fan of him too. I think he should get an All Star selection. And you know,
0: back to the Beal thing, but you know, I'm just saying if he could be an All Star and then most likely Bam as well. Y'all you know, you already know what it's going to be like the minute it's the All-Star
3: game. I mean, so it's going to be tampering like crazy. You, you got to hope that there is going to be an All-Star game, that they get to lock this down in Atlanta. I think they want to do it. And, yeah. and then we got to hope that Bam and, and Beal get that maybe in the same team together. That'd be nice.
4: Yeah, and I think the way they're setting it up is two weeks before the uh the trade deadline because it's on the March 8th through the 10th or- – Around those dates, and the deadline's the twenty fifth. So. I mean, the timing is there. We got,
3: yeah, and we know, and Bams are our only hope because sadly we know Jimmy Butler's probably not going to be at All Star, just because of the time he's missed. Not because he doesn't deserve it, but he's missed way too much time to be, to be All Star. Unless he comes back and lights the league on fire, that ship has probably sailed already. So our lone All Star selection. Shit probably is going to be Bam Adebayo and hopefully Chris Silva.
4: Yeah. No. yeah, we need to get Jimmy back and win like 10 games in a row. That's super important. They have a pretty
1: easy schedule coming up. I'm actually pretty optimistic about it. Um, you know, I think that – don't they have like two games against the Kings? I mean, that's that's a dub. Oh, uh, the
3: wizards. I think we have, think we have one against the Kings and two against
1: the Wizards. Two against the wizards. Yeah, I, they should, I the they should get some wizards. here.
0: Yeah, because yeah, that Kings game, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, like you yeah, have so who will probably turn into like Clay Thompson. You know, I'm not there for See, but it. Jim-
1: Jimmy should be coming <laughs> back soon. I would imagine that Goron probably isn't going to be out too much longer. Uh, You know, I don't know about Avery Bradley's new injury. But, you know, I'm assuming that even someone like Igadala probably be back at least, if not next game, then the next couple of games. So, you know, we're starting to get our guys back and, you know, heroes, heroes already back. You know, he'll probably get into rhythm, you know, as time goes on, you know, and playing against really bad teams, especially defensively. You know, he'll have some good games coming up here soon. So I think we'll be fine. We'll be right back in the playoff chase or in probably, if not in the chase, then like actually you know, one of the top eight seeds, you know, in the next couple of weeks.
4: Oh, and you definitely gotta see Miami, you know, with Jimmy and Goron and Bam, everybody healthy playing. And you know, I I, you know, I know we always talk about Beal and but I do think Miami will make some adjustments around the deadline. There's a lot of players like in this time that have shown that we could probably improve those players. And I really do think that at least they're going to search for a a starting wing to play next to Bam before the playoffs. I don't think –
3: if it's clear they're not going to get Bradley Beal this in midseason, then they'll probably do that. I don't think they're going to make a trade when they still think Beal might be in the market because making a trade, depending who you give up, might actually restrict what you give up for a Bradley Beal because of the uh, trade restrictions. So yeah. once the Heat is sure that they're not getting Bradley Beal in, in, during the season, that's when I think they'll make a move for somebody else to at least help us through a playoff run. And yeah. then, you know,
0: to add on to that, just just want to say, like some one of y'all sound like y'all are in a tornado, so just, you know, watch the mic real quick. And then also, you know, to add on to it, this was something that I'm clutch from Five Reasons brought up. You know, as an opinion. It's that he feels that the Wizards would first try to get rid of um, Scott Brooks as their coach before they go on and they trade Bradley Beal somewhere. So I don't know. I would love to see a Beal trade happen this season, but I feel like we most likely have to get prepared for the idea that he does end up finishing – this season as a member of the Wizards. Yeah, I think that's the
1: most likely scenario unless he really, really pushes it. Um, But I don't see that happening unless he gets... I mean, he should. Like, In all honesty, he should. But I I think he's going to wait it out. Right. If
3: he waits it out, the next move for the Wizards is going to be firing Scott Brooks, like you said. And then when it doesn't work out, then they'll realize, okay, maybe it's time to get some assets and build for the future.
4: Do they even have cap space next year?
3: the wizards I am not too sure about that no I know they paid they paid the bonus I mean I say almost it's a bonus uh Bertans a healthy amount of cash so I don't know what their payroll looks like really they have what 40 million dollars on Russell Westbrook
1: I mean even if they do have yeah. cap space I don't know who's coming to play for the wizards
3: yeah <laughs> nobody's dying to come play for the wizards
4: No, I mean, and ultimately, that's the thing, right? Like, I do think it'll be an off-season trade, too, as much as I want it to happen right now because I'm a millennial. But, um, you know, I think that you'll see probably in the off-season, you know, Scott Brooks get let go, obviously. And then Washington will try to do sort of like a Giannis sort of situation where they'll try to get like a big player via trade or free agency and – If they strike out there, then I could see where Beal then goes ahead and requests a trade prior to the start of the next season.
3: Right. Our only hope for this season is Beal gets really upset and just like flips out and be like, okay, I'm done here. There's I don't want to be here anymore, and that's it. But the likely scenario, like you guys said, is probably an off season move. But we'll still we can still hold up hope that Bill gets way too frustrated and just everything he's been bottling up, just he just lets it go.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
3: Anyways,
0: I feel like we have talked about a lot in today's pod. Is there feel is there anything you guys feel like we should hit on before we move forward?
1: Uh nothing I can think of.
3: Gabe Vincent sucks. I'm sorry, I just <laughs> have to say that. Um
1: his, he, I think I, Gabe Vincent his oh, shot quick. selection is is frustrating. It's just a little uh questionable. He's a less
3: he's a less efficient Deion Waiters with his shot selection. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of times when, you know, he'll he'll have BAM like right under the rim and he'll opt for a contested layup and it it something inside of me snaps every time that happens. Because then he misses and I'm like, dude, you know, throw the throw the pass or throw a pass to Bam, you know, for an easy dunk. And he's like, eh, I'd rather shoot this. So it's just, you know.
3: (laughs) Right. Gabe Vincent is actually a more efficient driver to the rim when he's like, when he scores than a shooter, because I kept posting it on Twitter. He, he went on a stretch where he was one for 25 from three pointer, from three point range. And that was insane. But he, he kept getting his points driving into the rim. He doesn't know how to read a pick and roll at all. Because if not, he would have a lot more assists, and Bam would have a lot more yeah. points.
1: Which is why mm-hmm. a guy like Lonzo might help hypothetically. You know, Lonzo would get Bam a lot of easy <laughs> points. I don't know how people feel about that. I think uh, not a controversial move, but like, you know, it's it's.
3: Yeah, I like a Lonzo Ball trade. If once we know we're not getting a deal, I think that's the move we should go yeah. for. Somebody like Lat. But we like I keep saying, and I want to stress this, we have to make sure that Bradley Beal isn't going to shake loose after we make a trade like that. Because then our assets are kind of limited because of the trade restrictions.
4: Well, But I do think that, you know, why we all keep clamoring for a trade is because when you see a team struggling, obviously we know we're missing Jimmy and and we've had a lot of guys out. It's, It's almost like this team isn't like playing hard enough and, Sometimes a trade will like shake the team up a little bit and move in the right direction. And that's why I do think that if B.O. is not on the table, you know, like we keep saying, it's probably going to be in the off season. like making some sort of trade is almost becoming necessary once we get Jimmy back.
3: Right. One thing I wanted to touch on, I just remembered we hit like you asked about uh, Joel. you asked about. Duncan Robinson's just injury, just appearing on the injury report out of nowhere. We have no idea. Iggy going out due to injury last second. I don't think it's the part that they're just not playing hard enough. It's just like these guys that aren't used to getting 40 plus minutes a game or their bodies are starting to, to not respond because they're not used to that much attention to in, in being in, in the game. Duncan Robinson it, he, he he's trying way too hard, in my opinion, in the last few games. That, that's why he's been on a slump. I think he's been trying way too hard. He's been forcing – this is the first time I saw Duncan Robinson force himself on offense. It usually lets it come to him, but it's the first time I see him force himself to do stuff, and that usually doesn't work out.
4: Yeah, he's a complimentary mm-hmm. player. He's a catch-and-shoot type of shooter. And, you know, he can't be forcing the offense. That's why everybody keeps clamoring that we need Jimmy back. So.
2: Yeah, and as far as making a deal, and I, I like Lonzo Ball as well. I, I just I feel like whatever – some of the things that the Heat are missing, he would bring um, when you're talking about backcourt defense and uh, being able to distribute and all of that. And and yet, I, I think the one thing you hear over and over again from Pat Riley is is the word flexibility, and and he wants to maintain flexibility to go after the whale and or the orca or whatever he wants to call it, and and Bradley Beal is that, and, and so I I think you're all, you're all right in that. Would would a trade shake up some things? Sure, would. Bradley Beal is not a trade that would just shake it up for the for the sake of shaking it up. That's the trade that you spend years building towards, the acquisition that you spend years building towards. Like when you brought the big three together before, and that was years in the making. Um, but I also think that a trade that you make that that would not be for Beal or another whale just to shake things up. Pat Riley wouldn't make a move like that and put uh, a whale at risk, right? Like he wouldn't. Uh, you know, even if it's something where he thought that Beal wouldn't avail- be available until the off season, they wouldn't trade away an asset that they would feel like would entice Washington in order to bring in somebody mm-hmm. just to shake things up a little bit. I, right. That's, um, you know, and so, and so now, with that said, if if there's a way that they feel like let's, and again, let's play the hypothetical game, and and you know, people have pointed towards Houston. although they're playing really well right now. Um. You know, but let's say Houston decided they wanted to break it up and and you can get an Oladipo and a P.J. Tucker. And all of a sudden you're looking at this like, well, we want Beal really bad, but what if Oladipo and P.J. Tucker are like the two missing pieces to winning a championship right now? And and I don't know if that's, if that's the case, but those are the types of things that are going on in Pat Riley's head. It's what brings us a championship and what brings us – consistent the consistent ability to compete for a championship. And and if you can shake things up by sending away an asset that, that you don't think Washington is going to want, then sure, sure, why not? But but Pat Riley is is the king of there's winning and there's misery. And there's nothing in between. And he won't he won't do something to to sacrifice what, what some people may think is just a a less form of being miserable, right? Like he's just he doesn't care. He doesn't care if they make the finals versus Losing in the first round, he wants to win a title. So, um, you know, when you're when you're getting inside the mind of Pat Riley, that's that's something just to keep in mind, as I'm sure you guys do. Mm
0: -hmm. So I'm gonna take this silence as um we don't got much to say. But moving forward, I mean, is there anything else you guys feel like we should hit on?
1: No, I think we've talked about just about everything that's currently relevant to the t- to the heat.
4: Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. We just got to win some games.
1: Yep. I'm telling it's you man, wins are coming soon. They they'll, they'll 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 be there.
0: We just need the whole team healthy for once and hopefully if it's God's will that's very soon. So anyways, with that being said, uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Uh, thank you, um, Clay Ferrero for hopping on today's episode, and also thank you all for listening. And um, yeah, let's get Chris Silva in the All Star <laughs> game, everyone. Peace. Keep that,
3: that campaign going. Sure, guys. Anytime, guys. Take care. Peace. I'll make it happen. All right. Take, Take care. care. Thank you, Clay.
0: Thank you for listening to the Heat vs. The World podcast and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode.